Welcome to another edition of the CIC Cast. Glad you decided to spend a little time with us today talking a little bit of high school sports. We've got a good one for you today. We've got uh, coming up, we're going to preview the upcoming CIAC Class Cross Country Championships, which uh, we'll get to in just a minute with Mary Albel of DieStat.com, one of our uh, most frequent guests here on the CIAC cast. She does a great job keeping tabs and breaking down things in the world of cross country. Then we're going to get on the uh, phone with uh, Dan Scavone, the uh, commissioner of the CCC. Going to talk with him about a couple of different issues, but primarily uh, our continuing efforts to recruit new officials to the uh, ranks of the high school sports in the state of Connecticut. The ongoing campaign that the CIC is partnering with are the NFHS, our uh, national federation parent organization, to uh, try and increase the ranks of the high school officials in the state of Connecticut. Then we're going to round things out. Uh, nice chat with Bryant Carpenter from the Meriden Record Journal, sports editor there. Does a wonderful job. They've got some teams in their coverage area that have put together some impressive and historic seasons. So we're going to check in with Bryant there and uh, and cover some of those stories that he's been watching over the course of the uh, fall. So that's what we've got coming up for you. Uh, Mary Albel, Dan Scavone, Bryant Carpenter is your guest list for this edition of the CIAC cast. Again, I'm Joel Cookson. Very happy that you've decided to spend a little time with us today. As always, you can follow the CIAC, uh, our various social media platforms. And if you're uh, checking out the podcast, please consider uh, subscribing on iTunes. You can find us on iTunes. You can find us on the Google Play app. You can find us on Stitcher. Please subscribe and rate and leave us a review. If you do listen uh, through iTunes, we would love that. You can also find the uh, the, the homepage on uh, CICsports.com. It gives you links and an archive of every episode. You can listen to us there. You can also listen to us on the CIAC mobile app, which you find by pointing uh, the browser on your mobile device to CIACmobile.com. You're going to want to uh, find that and bookmark that as we head into the, uh, the CIAC tournaments, which will be coming up in just a few weeks. As I mentioned, we're starting off the championship season with the cross-country divisional championship meets, 12 of them, 12 races on Friday, um, the 26th of October. So uh, be sure to uh, bookmark that uh, CIACmobile.com if you're out at the course uh, or out at a uh, tournament game in the coming weeks. Speaking of tournaments, uh, be sure to bookmark uh, Tournament Central as well. You can find that tournamentcentral.ciacsports.com. That's the uh, one-stop shop for everything you will need to follow along with the CISD state tournaments. That's where the pairings will be released uh, next Friday, next Thursday and Friday, I believe. Next week we will have uh, the remainder of the fall championship uh, pairings posted there as well, uh, other than football, of course, which will be wrapping up in a few weeks after that. But um, So tournamentcentral.ciacsports.com. Dot com. Uh, before we get to our guests, of course, we want to quickly run down things you might have missed at uh, CICsports.com. Um, as I mentioned, the cross-country championships will be Friday, the 26th of October, as opposed to Saturday. They were originally scheduled for Saturday due to the, uh, the weather coming through, scheduled to come through on Saturday. We moved them all up. So all 12 races, same race times uh, as originally scheduled, but they will now be taking place on Friday. So be sure to... Uh, to mark that if you're heading, planning on heading to the uh, CIAC championships, of course, as well. A couple editions of Linked Up there on CIACsports.com and a couple of editions of our What to Watch on the NFHS Network. We're seeing uh, kind of many of our schools continue to embrace uh, broadcasting and live streaming some of their contests, regular season contests, uh, over the last few weeks. So we uh, wanted to try and help fo- folks 
get a handle on uh, some of the games that they should check out. Again, you can get a, uh, a te uh, one-month subscription for uh, $9.99 there on the NFHS network and get uh, be able to see unlimited games. So you uh, just uh, $9.99, you can check out any of the games there that, uh, that we highlight in our What to Watch feature. We'll post that every Monday, uh, usually Monday morning, but uh, hopefully before noon or so uh, on Mondays, you'll, uh, you'll be able to see that um, there on CICsports.com. So that's uh, just a, a handful of the things you might have missed. We're going to quickly, uh, as I said, Tournament Central. That's, uh, that's the spot for the next month or so here as we, uh, we head into the championship season. Pairings, rosters, schedules, anything you could want uh, for the CIAC tournaments, you'll be able to find at tournamentcentral.ciacsports.com. Once again, we're very happy that you've decided to listen to us, uh, and uh, let's get right to our guest. Of course, before we do that, we got to uh, share with you a message from our friends at the Connecticut Department of Transportation. Sending or receiving a text takes a driver's eyes from the road for an average of 4.6 seconds. Driving at 55 miles per hour, this is the equivalent of traveling the length of an entire football field blind. Please do not text and drive or drive distracted and encourage your friends and family to park the phone when they are behind the wheel. One text or call could wreck it all. We hope you're listening to uh, the podcast, maybe heading out to the cross-country championships to check those out right now, but please put the phone away while you are driving. Not worth it. No, no need to, uh, to keep tabs on what's happening there on the phone as you are behind the wheel. So with all that said, let's get to uh, Mary Albel, our uh, our cross-country expert, one of the folks we check in with uh, maybe most often here on the CIC cast, always does a wonderful job keeping track of things on uh, in cross-country and track and field. So let's get, uh, let's get on the phone with Mary, previewing the first championship of the 2018 fall season, the cross-country championships coming up on Friday. The first championship of the fall season, the cross-country class championship meets are coming up. In fact, they uh, will be getting underway on Friday now. Hopefully everyone saw the uh, announcement about the change of date due to the weather, but uh, with those championship coming championships coming up, it meant it was time to get on the phone with Mary Albel of DieStat.com, as we often do to uh, to help us break down some of, these, uh, some of these championship sports. Mary, thanks so much as always for joining us. Absolutely. I always love talking... Um Connecticut cross-country with you. Well, we are uh, happy to do that. So the first championships, uh, as I say, of the fall coming up on Friday. Six uh, class meets on the boys' and girls' side, so 12 champions will be crowned here. We're not going to make uh, Mary go through uh, division by division here, but uh, <laughs> do want to just kind of get your general take. What, what sort of, as you're heading into the weekend, uh, what are you know some of the, the sort of general stories, teams, uh, things of interest that you're keeping an eye on? Yeah, definitely. So I um, think obviously a wise move to move it the uh, championships to Friday. From Saturday, the course um, should be in fairly good condition for the runners, so it should make for you know a long but good day for the runners. Yeah. It looks like good weather as well. Um, Storylines, you know, um, I think you got to go with um, it's a lot of the same and a lot of kind of new stuff. But last year, you know, you saw Xavier's do dominance and. Um, on the boys' side, and they're definitely a team to watch. And an interesting kind of tidbit about them is they moved from LL down to L this year. Mm -hmm. um, talking with their coach, Chris Donier, you know, he said they are an L school, so it, it makes sense for them to, to go down one, but it just kind of makes um, the L race a little bit more interesting. Same with the double L um, for team standing um, on the girls' side. Obviously, Glastonbury, you know, very consistently dominant, and um, I would have to say they're the favorite on the girls' side to win the double L. And then looking a week ahead, 
for the state open. Um, they're another favorite as well for team team wise. Um, individually, I think a name that jumps out overall, Kate Weiser from Pomperog. Mm-hmm. She's been um, strides ahead of everybody else um, this whole season, and I think that should continue. She should be able to win the um, the girls MM title easily, and hopefully, you know, lead her team to a title. On the boys' side, it's um, it's pretty open. You know, the last couple of years we've seen a lot of dominance from Fairfield Prep um, with um, Drew Thompson. He's graduated now. He's at Dartmouth, mm-hmm. um, so that leaves it a little bit more of an open race. But I think you gonna gotta look at maybe Robert Dillon from Shelton, and then you do have a freshman from um, Manchester, Aiden Puffer, and another freshman from Connard. Um, Name is escaping me right now. Um, Gavin Sherry, and then you have Miller Anderson from Hall. Mm-hmm. And those guys um, are all in double L. Yeah. So that's an exciting race. <laughs> no question, um, yeah. Yep. Um, what are, you know, maybe you, you talked about, uh, and again, I'm not going to make you, uh, you know, break down uh, uh, your favorite or a team in each class here, but, you know, you talked about some of those favorites. Have there been any you know, surprises uh, kind of looking at the season this year. Uh, you know, we tend to see a lot of the same faces, uh, particularly, you know, in the class meets, uh, you know, winning some of these these class divisions or at least, uh, you know, usually in the mix. Uh, anyone new that maybe you're, uh, has had a strong season that you're uh, keeping an eye on or at least maybe, uh, you know, a team that hasn't won a championship in, in recent years that's, uh, that's kind of bubbling up a little bit as you uh, headed to Friday's meet? Yeah, I would say uh, maybe not a surprise, but they are a very young team, and I think everybody's kind of looking at maybe next year is for them to really flourish. But the Tallinn boys, mm-hmm. they really impressed. They finished um, second place at the Wickham Park Invitational earlier this month, um, beating out Xavier. Mm-hmm. Um, so they should be the front runner to win the boys' M title. And um, looking ahead to the state open, you know, they definitely have a shot to win that. Um, nothing against Xavier, but, you know, they – they're doing really well, and they just—they're coming off a CCC championship, so definitely a team to watch. Um, another team that I don't know necessarily has a chance to win the state title—they're in the Class Double L boys, but Wilbur Cross. Um, Travis Gale has done a tremendous job with both programs, and really um, just developed the boys program. I f- believe they finished in third place at the SEC championships last weekend. Um, so they're just kind of another program to maybe keep an eye on and see what, what they can do. You never know. Yeah. What is, uh, you know, obviously, as you said, uh, most of the, uh, well, I'm sure all of the, uh, the class meets, uh, kind of wrapped up the last week was sort of the, the league championship, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, championship season, so to speak. Uh, did anything kind of come out of those meets that maybe either surprised you or kind of, you know, just, uh, changed, uh, maybe your thinking, your landscape a little bit, uh, you know, sort of, that's kind of the, often sort of the precursor in some ways to the, right. to the CIAC meets. Were there any, anything that happened in those meets last week that kind of, uh, maybe changed your frame of reference heading into the, the championships tomorrow? Not necessarily. I would say, um, coming out of the FCAC, it was nice to see, um, New Canaan's, um, I believe he'll be running in the um, L or double L, but New Canaan's, his name's escaping me, but I believe he finished 22nd last year um, in the FCAC meet and came back to win it mm-hmm. this year. Um, so that was nice to see. Um, and the CCC, um, a great battle between Gavin Sherry of Connard and the Miller Anderson of Hall. Um, the kind of swap finishes 
Gavin Sherry beating out Miller Anderson of Hall, um, and it was the other way around at the Wickham Park Invitational. So right. I believe those two should really um, have a photo finish at the class um, double L meet this weekend and mm-hmm. this Friday. So Yeah, New Canaan uh, competing in the L on the boys' side. So just right. uh, that they'll be, uh, as you mentioned, uh, in that meet. Any uh, any individuals that maybe aren't on, you know, maybe don't have the, the strongest team around them. So, you know, there may be folks who, who are going to be putting up some, some good times or, or you're looking at uh, times coming in this weekend that maybe they're not, uh, you know, going to be in the mix for, uh, propelling their team to, to team championships, but, uh, you know, or some individual performances uh, that, that maybe uh, could stand out for, uh, for for folks coming into Friday? Yeah, one name I think um, that really sticks out on the girls' side, Elizabeth um, Stockman of Rocky Hill. Um, she's just been another name that's um, been really consistent both on the cross-country trails and on the track. Mm-hmm. Um, she's been around for a few years, um, coming off the CCC title, Um I think, you know, she has a great chance to win another state title, um, but it's been kind of a battle between her and uh, Jenna from Glastonbury. So I think she's one doesn't have the strongest supporting cast, but um, definitely a name to watch out for. And then kind of another name, Lauren Moore of Danbury. Mm-hmm. You know, strong, a pretty strong team, obviously, but um, don't know if they'll win the Double L Girls Championship just given the, the heavy um, favorites in that division. But... Um, she could challenge for for a title easily. Yeah, awesome. So some great things. Uh, Rocky Hill competing in that Class M championship on the girls' side, uh, and as you said, a lot of uh, a lot of good things to keep track of. So we'll have twelve races. We'll squeeze them all in. I'm going to put you on the spot here, Mary. I'm going to do this as a uh, a little tease here. So I've been doing uh-huh. uh, my CIAC trivia um, all right. on on <laughs> Twitter, and uh, we did a cross country question this week. So we're going to ask you. Just because uh, I want to be able to tell people that they can hear the answer on the podcast if they uh, they listen <laughs> in. So, so we went to uh, 1986 is when we okay. moved to the uh, the six division uh, format. That's so since then, so you you've got uh, a bunch of years here of um, two, of six championship races on the boys and girls. What school has won the most total championships in cross country six since 1986? Combined boys and girls? Combined boys and girls and opens and Ooh. divisional meets. Ooh, good question. <laughs> Ooh. And no, um, no wrong points for a, you know, no uh, points against for a, an incorrect answer. But uh, All right. Um, it's not Tolland, is it? It is not Tolland. They are actually okay. the, the, the runner-up to that, uh, that answer. Bacon Academy? Nope. The, uh, the the uh, the correct answer is Griswold. Ah, yep. Griswold. 21 championships for Griswold wow. since 1986. And uh, Tolland is actually one behind at 20. Those were uh, the uh, – so we if uh, if your your look about the Tolland boys uh, coming away with the title this year uh, comes through and, and Griswold doesn't win one, then we'll have a different answer on, uh, on Friday afternoon. So. <laughs> Just wanted to throw that in there. So anything else, Mary, that uh, just kind of looking at the meet or, uh, or how the season has gone so far that's kind of, uh, you know, looking uh, looking ahead, looking, um, you know, interesting stories that, that you've been following with cross country this season? Yeah, I think at the beginning of the season, you know, obviously Xavier, they made it all the way to um, NXN last year, Nike Cross Nationals, um, historic season for them. And a lot of people had them pegged to do it again, um, which, you know, they very well could, but. It's just been very interesting to see a lot of other teams, um, Tallinn, and then you obviously have Staples boys. Um, you know, they're 
they've been stepping up and giving them a run for their money. So I think it might be a little bit closer than people are thinking. Mm-hmm. That you know, I don't think Xavier is a complete runaway with the title, um, LL or State Open. Um, the girls individually, it's been really neat to follow Kate Weiser and what she's been able to do. Um, you know, a little comparison for those, you know, a lot of great girls runners handed a ballsy. She kind of has that same body type and um, putting down some similar times. Mm-hmm. So it will be interesting to see what she can do this week and um, then at the state open and then kind of heading into New England and um, if she decides to go further than that, what she can what she can do. Yeah, absolutely. We'll look forward to uh, to seeing all of that coming up uh, uh, this weekend. So Mary will... Uh, the, the, as we said, the uh, the championships, uh, 12 races on Friday, a very long, busy day for those that uh, that love and follow cross-country in Connecticut. Hopefully the weather uh, cooperates and, and, and Wickham Park is in, in good shape for some good meets. And then uh, the following week, Friday, the State Open, we know you will be there. You'll be doing great work yep. for uh, <laughs> DieStat.com, and we uh, greatly appreciate it as always, Mary. Enjoy the, uh, the championships this weekend. Thank you so much. Thanks so much to Mary. Does an outstanding job. Got to check out all of her coverage at diestat.com and across the Connecticut landscape. There's a lot of good coverage being done, uh, even for sports like cross country, which maybe don't normally get the the kind of attention that uh, some of the other sports do at the high school level. But there's lots of great outlets, Diestat, Mile Split. uh, We'll have live stats from the, uh, the championships tomorrow. Um, be sure to check out uh, Game Time CT, the Hartford Current, all these places doing a wonderful job uh, get doing stories on the CIAC Cross Country Championships on Friday. So we appreciate that. Be sure to check out Mary's good work after the championships. I know she will be there tomorrow writing stories and, and covering everything that's going on. So we appreciate that as always. Should be a nice day. Hopefully the uh, little little chilly, but uh, that's good running weather. And uh, the course will be in good shape and, uh, and we'll be all set for a, a very full but, uh, but fun day of cross-country competition at uh, Wickham Park on Friday. Next up, Dan Scavone, the uh, commissioner of the Central Connecticut Conference, the CCC. We want to get uh, chat with Dan a little bit. He's worn a lot of different hats in the, uh, the world of high school sports in Connecticut. Continues to wear a lot of different hats, but uh, he's somebody we wanted to, uh, to talk to in this case. Uh, about a lot of different things, but I think we're going to focus kind of on the, the recruitment of officials and his experiences in that realm in the world of high school sports in Connecticut. I'm happy to be sitting down here with Dan Scavone, who is the commissioner of the Central Connecticut Conference and uh, is a gentleman who has worn uh, many hats and had many roles in the world of high school sports and going to talk to him a little bit about uh, his position as commissioner, but also... Uh, on the efforts to recruit new officials and his perspective on that as a uh, as a longtime official as well. So, Dan, thanks for joining me. I appreciate it, Joel. Thank you. Very happy to. Uh, always a, a frequent visitor here in the CIAC offices. Among his many roles, uh, he's taken on the role of uh, assistant tournament director for our basketball tournaments this winter, where he will be uh, in charge of uh, assigning officials. So let's start, uh, maybe start at the beginning, and I guess just ask, uh, and we were talking before we started interviewing here, you know, which came first for you? You've been an athletic director. You've been in a lot of roles in athletics, but uh, officiating was sort of the first uh, first position uh, in terms of athletics for you. Where did that start how did that start and and how did you come to that position it's a very good question Joel and the answer is I did start as an official first Um, way back in the late 80s uh, when I started my career in education I started as a health and physical education teacher and you know back then and later when we talk about some of the shortages of officiating uh, officials um, we'll talk a little bit more about the uh, 
you know, the prospect of teachers uh, becoming mm-hmm. officials. And yeah. back at that time, it was not uncommon for teachers to officiate and coach. Um, and I followed that, that, that line of thought. Yeah. And I really enjoyed athletics through, through my whole my whole career as as a as a as a teacher, but but um, I did some did some coaching as well. Um, but as a high school and college student, um, I had a passion for athletics, and uh, I, I followed that line and and uh, with no regrets, you yeah. know. So I, I did start out as an official prior to my administrative career. Yeah, you talk about that uh, that passion for athletics. I'm just kind of curious, you know, and and like you said, we'll kind of get into some of the nuts and bolts of the the officials uh, shortages, unfortunately, that we're experiencing in a lot of sports uh, across Connecticut and certainly across the country. But you know what? How do you? I guess what uh, you know? What part of that passion was was fueled by the officiating? You know, what do you sort of feel like that? Uh, what itch was scratched? I guess you know, in, in terms of that uh, that feeling and passion for for athletics that you feel like officiating, at least for you personally, has has provided. I always thought it was an important component of the game contest. You know, we we know what coaches have to do. We know the athletes that play obviously a, a key role in <laughs> athletic contest, but yeah. really. Um, the the prospect of of taking uh, of filling the role of an official, I think it adds to the contest in that, you know, you are responsible for keeping that contest and, and level playing field mm-hmm. in terms of fair play. Yeah. And, you know, some people may think that there's some bias associated in officiating, and I, I got to tell you, I've never seen it with my own eyes. Yeah. You know, officials are human. They get out there. They do the best they can. Objectively speaking, they're the only ones probably in that whole arena or that whole field of play mm-hmm. that really doesn't care who wins or loses. Yeah. You know, the fans do, the parents, the athletes, the coaches, but the officials are there to ensure that the game is is um, presented properly in, in terms of within the rules and regulations. And, and uh, so it's an important component uh, of the game situation. I think that attracted me. Yeah. Um, also, coaching at the same time, it gave me another perspective hmm. of, of athletics. What, uh, you know, and, and what is that, you know, I guess um, I'm just sort of, you know, in a broad perspective. What do you feel like you've, if you were in, and again, we'll get into some of the nitty gritty here, but, you know, if you were given a sales pitch to, a, you know, a, a somebody who maybe was interested in officiating, um, you know, in any sport, any level, what would be your, your sales pitch in terms of, you know, what is it, what has it done for you? What have you feel like you've gotten from it? I think it's a rewarding experience. You get to stay with a game that you probably had interest in. Number one, mm-hmm. number two, I, I think it from us, uh, from looking at it from a vantage point of, of time commitment, there isn't the greater time commitment like you would in terms of coaching. You know, you get to, officiate a game you go to the game of course you do you do get there a good hour in advance mm-hmm. to uh you know mentally and physically prepare for the game but when you leave that site you're going home and you're not bringing a whole lot of other baggage with you and yeah. that goes along with coaching um around the clock so to speak sure. throughout a whole season so um you get to take part in the game and then leave the game yeah but he also, I think, travel. I really always enjoy traveling from school to school mm-hmm. to see what goes on in different different, different schools. And you get to meet a whole lot of people um, from different schools and programs yeah. and throughout the state, especially when you get into state tournament play. It's really exciting to go to a place you're not, you know, f- totally familiar with. Yeah. 
I think that's another attraction. Um, and, you know, lastly, I mean, you do get compensation. You yeah. know, you, you do get paid. And in Connecticut, we're fortunate that um, some of the stipends that are associated with officiating are probably amongst the best in, in, in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think there is a population out there that really appreciates what the officials contribute to the game. Yeah. You know, we often hear a lot of negativity in terms of some of the the downside of things in terms of uh, some sportsmanship issues that everyone's taken a role to deal with. But yeah. there are people out there that do appreciate what the officials do. And um, down the line, you know, years down the line, when you run into some former athletes, they recognize you. Yeah. You know, and um, many times you'll have a nice conversation about their experiences uh, when they were playing. Yeah. No, no question. That's uh, those are all uh, all worthwhile reasons. So we, you know, we've sort of we've we've talked a little bit about it. We've hinted around it a little bit, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, I think for folks who are. Um, you know, familiar with high school sports at all in Connecticut, and hopefully we've uh, started getting the message out that we do have a real uh, a real challenge in front of us here in in some ways with uh, a, a shortage of officials in in particular in particular sports, but really across the board uh, in Connecticut. And we're fortunate that Connecticut it's not as bad as it is in, in other states actually across the country. But um, you know, from from your perspective, just as an official, you know, what is that? What is that impact like? You know that the that or and also in your you know your role uh, going forward assigning officials for for our basketball tournaments. Mm-hmm. But you know how does that? How have you felt that sort of uh, you know this this shortage and maybe that you know the 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 folks that we do have are starting to get a little older. Maybe it's an older population of officials at this point. So you know what is that? How, what has it felt like from your perspective yeah. uh, as an official? Uh, sort of as we're trying to kind of get come to grips with this uh, challenge that we're facing. Yeah, I've seen it firsthand, and being part of, uh, you know, throughout my career, I was part of the Board 10 Executive Committee, so Mm -hmm. we would talk about promotion of officials, and we would talk about who's retiring, and so I got to see it firsthand, but I think in Connecticut, and and we're fortunate, we have great leadership with the Officials Association with Joe Tonelli, who's been an athletic director a long time, Mm -hmm. and he's got a lot of vision and foresight, and I think we're getting out ahead of things here in Connecticut. You know, we're we're starting to spread an awareness now yeah. about the need to start filling the the so-called potential shortage down the road, which yeah. some other states are experiencing in a higher degree right now. Yeah. So I think being out ahead of it is a good thing. The best way I can describe it, and you mentioned it before, the average age of our officials obviously is increasing. Mm-hmm. That's something we can't control. What we can control is how many new candidates come forward. And that's the, the, that was the concern, that the number of new candidates coming forward isn't as high as it used to be. Yeah. Yet the age, the average age, continues to increase. Yeah. So when you look down the road, it's something that may have an impact. Mm-hmm. Um, the best way I can describe some of the reasons why this is occurring is, uh, I'll give you an analogy. When I was an official at the beginning part of my life in my 20s and 30s, um, you didn't have to stretch as much to, incre- to keep maintain your flexibility. Yeah. You kind of show up to the game, you stretch a little bit, you do the game, and then you feel great the day after. Yeah. But as you get older, um, you have to work at it more. Yeah. You know, you have to stretch more. You have to put more time into it, and you have to to put more time in after the contest and, 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 and days off yeah. to maintain your physical health to be able to officiate. Sure. Well, it's it's like that in 
I, I look at one of the things, and I mentioned it before, about there's fewer teachers becoming mm-hmm. officials. You know, back when um, teacher salaries, teachers weren't compensated the way they really should have in terms of the amount, amount of work they yeah. did years ago. And it was not uncommon for new teachers to have to have a second job. So many of them did coach. Many of them did officiate. Yeah. Now, you know, 30, 40 years later, teachers are compensated for the jobs they do. And they do a great job. And they put in a lot of hours. And there's a lot of expectations for teachers to be there after school mm-hmm. and, and, and even some nights. So what's happened is you don't have as many teachers naturally following that path into yeah. officiating and coaching. Um, whereas years ago, you didn't have to worry about it so much because they were knocking the doors down. Right. So now the challenge is, is that, like I explained in my analogy, I have to work, you know, you have to work a little harder to maintain your flexibility and your physical health. Well, now the people responsible from, from, from all our boards and all our sports across the state, they have to work a little bit harder now to attract officials to the profession. Yeah. Whereas years ago, they didn't have to put that time in. It, yeah. it just naturally o- occurred. So I think now raising this awareness, we've come to the conclusion that it's everybody's responsibility to help um, encourage individuals to uh, take on this 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 avocation to, yeah. uh, in this profession. And I think athletic directors as well as coaches, um, as well as um, the officials, um, personnel who are who's in charge of new candidates and mm-hmm. recruitment, um, they all have to work together yeah. to solve this. Yeah. You've, uh, as I said, you know, we've alluded to, you, you've been an athletic director, you've mm-hmm. been a coach, you've been now a, a league commissioner and, and obviously still an active uh, official. So I'm just kind of curious, you know, how do you, how could you sort of see those groups, you know, that those constituents that I just kind of mentioned working together, how would, in, you know, in your mind, how, how could, you know, an athletic director at a school foster, you know, an ad, uh, an atmosphere where officials, you know, or, or athletes may want to become officials when they get older, or how can they support their, the recruitment efforts? How can it, you know, how can it work at the school level? Things like that. I'm just curious from your vantage point and, and what are some of the things that you feel like your league is trying to do, you know, to, to continue to, to make this, issue known and, and to start, you know, that process of trying to, to bring in new people. Well, I'll give you an example. Last, last, uh, spring, uh, I attended a Southwest conferences leadership, uh, summit mm-hmm. along with two other officials. One was an assigner and the other one was a multi-sport official. Um, so the three of us talked about, um, some of the rewards and some of the, the positives about becoming an official to probably close to 200 students. Yeah. So that's one way. Mm-hmm. You know, including people from officials groups, um, including them into student conferences, bringing them to school, possibly speaking to physical education classes, or just coming to a, a scrimmage. Mm-hmm. Maybe the beginning of the year in the scrimmage where you can sit the kids down when the scrimmage is over and talk to them about, you know, what they just experienced through, yeah. through watching an official work. Um, and, and there's subtle ways to even develop that relationship. You know, many times I've gone in and done some little rules clinics for, 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 for high school teams. Mm-hmm. Um, the coaches would have me come in and talk a little about some of the, some of the rules that would causes confusion. That's one way, just one small way of developing connection. But I think by and large, 
communication is important and and people from the officials groups need to work closely with the school personnel Mm -hmm. and um you know do things like um you know come in and 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 i'll let me go as far as to say that there's been some colleges community colleges and colleges in the area that have offered officiating classes yeah. to students. Um, so maybe, you know, officially, officials, uh, group personnel could go into a high school and say, this is something you might want to consider when you enter your college college yeah. Uh, career. Yeah. Um, so things like that are, 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 are all helpful, I believe. Yeah. No, it's uh, I, I think it's uh, it's sort of we've reached a, an all hands on deck and an all approach on deck kind of thing mm-hmm. at this point, you know, where, um, you know, and hopefully just kind of the, the idea that we're, making the conversation known and, and sort of getting yeah. this, this, you know, concern out there, you know, I sort of liken it to, you know, if, if people, uh, you know, if suddenly all of the, the high school venues around the state, you know, started slowly shutting down and there was nowhere to play the games, mm-hmm. people would notice, you yes. know, but it's, you know, it's the same sort of, you know, concept. If, if, you know, the, if people like uh, high school sports and they want their kids to be able to participate and have that experience, they need to have people to uh, officiate the games. And, and that's just the reality. Right. And where they're feeling it really is at the sub-varsity level, especially. Mm-hmm. Sub-varsity yep. and middle school level. Because prioritize, in terms of prioritizing, it's the varsity officials. Those games are going to be covered. Yeah. But when you filter down to the JV, to the freshmen, to the middle school level, that's where some of the shortages are being felt right now. Yeah. I think another thing schools can do, and, and we impress upon this in our conference when we have coaches' meetings, and I know some of the other conferences do as well, talk about fan behavior and spectator behavior. Sure. Because when I said before about fewer teachers going into the profession, well, another reason for some of the shortages is that some of the individuals that enter this profession, especially years one to three, are often turned off yeah. by some of the negative fan behavior that they experience. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to have some thick skin. There's no question, um, but there's only a certain amount of abuse that anybody can take. Yeah, and uh, they often, if you, we 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 see that if we can retain them to the thir- third year mark, we often keep them. Yeah. So schools, if they help address some of the spectator behavior concerns, and um, if they can approach that proactively, yeah. Um, I think you'll develop a good relationship with the officials groups and they'll notice that schools are working actively to, to improve that atmosphere. Yeah. And I think you'll get more retention with the officials. Um, yeah. th- there's no doubt about it, but um, because again, you know, we're getting candidates now from all walks of life, not just the teaching profession. Sure. So it's very difficult t- for people to leave their job to go do a three thirty, three forty five game. Yeah. Um, so the few people that we have that have that availability, we need to keep them. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think I, you know, I've sort of always thought of it as, and you know, you you hear the same thing about coaching, you know, mm-hmm. is it's, you know, there there's always been a scale and there's always been a, an element to it that's a little bit of a thankless, you know, role, but it, it feels like in the last, you know, maybe couple years or five years, whatever it is, that the scale has been just slightly tipping in the wrong direction and sort of the 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 count the the negatives, you know, if they start to outweigh the the positives too much. You know, you're just not gonna, you know, have people willing to stick with it and continue to, to give their time, even right. though they are being compensated. You know, they're just not gonna, 
you know, sort of be comfortable, uh, you know, with that that equation, the sort of that the right. the negative side is outweighing the positives too much, uh, you know, even for people who you know maybe go into it knowing that it's not going to be, you know, people aren't right. going to be throwing roses at their feet for uh, for showing up to do a, a JV basketball game, but uh, you know no. that it's maybe a little more than they expected, and I think that's the the challenge that uh, that schools and and fans need to to come to grips with is uh, if if you like having these contests, we're going to have to find a way to to make this a little more palatable for people to, to continue right. to give their time. And especially, you know, one of the other issues is um, it, it's not every sport that experiences some shortages mm-hmm. and it's not every part of the state. Yep. You know, th- th- there's sports out there that have traditionally been very popular, uh, even amongst people who don't play the sport and yep. never played the sport. And they, but they all have a desire later to officiate. But when you look at some of the, the sports um, where there's less participation rates mm-hmm. or, for instance, there's a smaller population group that participates in that sport and that sport only, um, we see some shortages. And, 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 for instance, finding gymnastics officials. Not everybody has opportunity yeah. going through a high school career to participate in gymnastics. Not yeah. everybody has the resources to have a program or a field hockey program. Mm-hmm. Or, or lacrosse is becoming very popular, more and more programs around the state now. But some of those sports... Um, are having a little harder time finding officials. And that's why it's important really to target those athletes who participate yeah. in those sports that they can give back someday and in, in, in by com- becoming an official in that sport. And also tapping into officials in other sports. We find that some of the best candidates are uh, that are embarking on a, a, a new sport to officiate mm-hmm. are officials in other sports. Yeah. They work out well because they've been through training programs. They they, they understand the concept of of uh, of rule knowledge and things of that nature. Now yeah. they just have to apply it to a different sport. Yeah. So we find that there's a higher degree of success when you when officials from other sports um, take on a new sport in a sure. different season. Um, but one of the one of the difficulties with that is that now there's a lot of non-school sports out there. AAU programs and so forth that operate year-round. So sometimes you find your basketball officials not just officiating in the basketball season, but they they have a, a lot of work available in the summer yep. with AAU programs, but also the, the fall mm-hmm. with fall leagues. So um, to get them to to move up away from basketball and possibly officiate a sport like soccer, it's a little bit more of a challenge yeah. because some of these sports do run year-round in the non-school team settings. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think it's, uh, you know, the more we sort of discuss, and I, I know the, the folks on our officials executive board and, and Joe Tonelli, as you say, you know, the more you discuss, you sort of just, you know, realize all the challenges that are that are a part of this. And I think it's always going to be, you know, at this part of, uh, you know, at this sort of time, it's always going to be a work in progress to some degree. You know, the, the job of recruiting new folks is never going to be over. And yep. it's, you know, you're never, you're never really going to have enough. You know, you got to keep uh, hopefully reaching out to people. And as you say, it doesn't have to be people that maybe were familiar with a sport, you know, mm-hmm. you know, that you can learn, you can uh, just want to be involved in, in sort of the community of, of high school athletics, which is, you know, obviously, a, and from our perspective, a, a wonderful community to be involved with. Can you speak to that maybe a little bit that, you know, these new recruits don't have to necessarily be people with an expertise in a particular sport. It can just have the interest and, and the desire and the willingness to, to learn and to work. Absolutely. And I'm a perfect example. I'm, you know, looking at my stature, I know we're, we're not on TV right now, but I'm I'm a little bit vertically challenged, I, and I never was a basketball player. 
Uh, but I always had an interest in basketball, and um, I, I started officiating it, and I, I, and I learned a whole, little about, a whole lot about the game, yeah. and, and um, especially from an official's point of view. So I'm one example that you didn't have to play the sport um, to work out successfully as an official. Mm-hmm. Um, so absolutely. And, and you know what you have to have is a desire, and you have to have the time for the, the training program. One of the things that, that um, our boards do a fantastic job is, and, and we did this, we did the officials survey uh, last year, and we we tried to find out some of the reasons why we're getting fewer candidates. We tried to find out some of the things that other boards are doing well yep. to attract new candidates. And one of the things we, we, we that came about was that, you know, officials, um, all our boards do a great job with their preparation. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a combination of classroom classroom work with practical knowledge of being on the field. Yeah. Um, so any candidate who didn't have experience playing or in coaching that sport, by the time they get out there in a live situation, in a game situation, they're prepared. Yeah. Um, and I also think we have to change with the times, too, in terms of the, the attraction piece. You know, years ago, just throwing an article in a newspaper, of, <laughs> you know, new candidates, meet, we're going to meet this particular date and time if you want to interest in becoming a new official. Yep. Now we have to change with technology, and I think social media has become an important component, Twitter, mm-hmm. so, so to speak, and, and um, Facebook, for instance. Um, those are important pieces to help bring in different population groups yeah. um, to the profession yeah no question about it and that's you'll hopefully uh, our listeners here will see some of the things that uh, CIAC is doing in partnership with our, our parent organization the NFHS network uh, working on a promotional campaign you can go to highschoolofficials.com it's a uh, it's a pretty uh, straightforward uh, website there and, and just enter some information and then the Joe Tonelli in our office will actually take it from there he gets the names that are submitted there and he will uh, he'll be in touch he, he was telling us uh, at lunch the other day had a candidate uh, couldn't believe that they heard back from him in about two hours after they had their uh, their name submitted. So uh, Joe is uh, Joe is on it, and uh, and we hope folks will uh, will take the time to give it some thought because as we said, it's uh, you know the you, you won't notice uh, you know the real problem maybe until it's too late and suddenly uh, all these games that we like so much and all these experiences that we like so much for our kids and uh, for our schools just aren't going to be available because there aren't going to yeah. be people there. So Dan Scavone, we appreciate it. You're doing a wonderful job. With the CCC, we look forward to uh, you uh, getting your teeth wet, your your feet wet as the uh, yeah. your first go round uh, assigning for our basketball tournaments this uh, this winter. A job that never elicits any criticism at all. I'm sure you're uh, well aware, but uh, we appreciate you offering your perspective. Uh, as I said, with your many roles, and appreciate your great work as an official. So thanks very much. Well, thank you very much, Joe. I'm looking forward to my new role now as assigning officials, and it's um, it, it's something that. Um, at some point in your career, you, you knew that the officiating on the floor was was going to cease, and this is a great opportunity to stay with working in, in, in the sport of basketball and working with officials, so I'm really grateful for the opportunity CIAC's provided me. Appreciate Dan finding some time to uh, to sit down with us as we talked about a busy time of year for him, busy time of year for everybody involved in high school sports uh, with uh, with championships going on and seasons, regular seasons wrapping up and tournaments uh, coming up. But uh, we appreciate he's got a lot of perspective and, uh, has, as I said, has done a lot of different things. So he sort of sees this from a lot of different angles and, uh, and appreciate that conversation. 
Now we're going to reach out to uh, Bryant Carpenter. He's a writer and editor for the Meriden Record Journal. He's been there a long time, and he's been uh, observing a very impressive year uh, on the field and on the courts for some of the era teams in his area. So we wanted to get in touch with Bryant and uh, and get a chance to, uh, to chat with him a little bit about what he's been following and what he's been seeing during this high school sports season. I'm very happy to be joined today by Bryant Carpenter, uh, writer and editor for the Meriden Record Journal, which does just a wonderful job covering uh, the high school sports landscape in uh, in that part of Connecticut. So, Bryant, thanks for joining me. Joe, I always uh, enjoy talking with you. Thank you for thinking of us, and I am glad to be with you, my friend. Very happy to chat with you. Always a good uh, good conversation from a, uh, a paper that does a wonderful job, as I said, kind of keeping tabs on the high school sports season, and I, as I was browsing some of the rankings and and CIAC tournament uh, you know rankings uh, unofficially at this point but uh, you know looking at some of the teams that are enjoying big seasons it occurred to me that uh, there seem to be a host of them from your uh, coverage area that are having some uh, some impressive and memorable regular seasons at least so I wanted to get on the phone with you and and just see if you could uh, you know tell us a little bit whether it's uh, the volleyball courts the field hockey field soccer football um, you've got a bunch of schools that are off to uh, you know big big seasons so far uh, with CIAC uh, play looming so uh, kind of fill us in on some of the teams that have been making news and uh, and having big seasons there in your part of the state yeah you know gladly so uh, so Joel in fact we were just did a story on Cheshire Field Hockey, you know, Coach Eileen Wilderman's team. You know, Eileen has done a, fi- a fine job since taking over for Arlene Salvati, and it's, it's been a while now. Um, but, you know, Cheshire, prestigious field hockey history. And this mm-hmm. season, of course, 16-0 regular season. And, you know, Joel, they allowed all of one goal yeah. all year. And that's against Daniel Hand, you know, the defending SEC champ. Uh, so that's how I'm going to start with Cheshire Field Hockey, 16-0 63 goals for one goal against in the regular season. Um, their first perfect season in 28 years. And again, you talk about a gold standard for a field hockey program. You know, Cheshire's right up there amongst any of the top programs in the state. And I just want to tip my cap to those girls and Coach Wilderman, you know, first and foremost. At this point of the year, obviously, we start looking ahead of the tournament. And it's like, who's going to be playing on that uh, third Saturday in November? Yeah. And, uh, Certainly, they're one of the teams on our short list. Um, yeah, you, something like that doesn't happen every day. Certainly, it hasn't happened in 28 years. <laughs> no so. question. Cheshire, Cheshire Field Hockey is, is there, and right next to them, really, is uh, Cheshire and Southington Girls Volleyball, both mm-hmm. undefeated, You know, both ranked high in the state. Southington's number two, and uh, you know, Cheshire's number three in the coaches' polls. And um, in your rankings, you know, they're one, two, and, and double L. You know, it seems like the past couple of years, these teams have been there, too. Uh, Coach Rich Heights, Southington does a great job. Sue Bavone at, at Cheshire, she's been there a long time. You know, got her 500th win this season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so we see that, and it's like, you know, we start to lick our chops a little bit and think about a, an all-record journal state championship game. We've had them before, Southington and Cheshire, you know, softball. Um, perhaps we'll see that in volleyball. Yeah. They reached the semi last year and got beat. Um, the way they're playing this year, I, I really think both of these teams are as good as they, they've ever been. Um, again, with Cheshire undefeated, and every match this year, they have their uh, regular season finale this evening at Mercy. Mm-hmm. Um, to this point, every match has been 3-0 and except except one. Against Damity, that was 3-2. to Everything else has been a sweep. So what Sue Bavone's volleyball team has done in Cheshire is very comparable to what Eileen Wilderman's Cheshire field hockey team has done. Basically run the table... <laughs> You know, to the nth degree. Yeah. Um, and likewise, Rich Heights' team. You know, they 
don't have the same gaudy, you know, we swept every match. But um, they've got a, a team with a lot of talent, you know, not just one or two superstars. They've got a solid six, seven, eight girl. You know, it seems whenever Rich, uh, we talk with him or check in on his team, it's, it's, it's a number of kids who contribute. They're strong on defense, offense, they're setter. Olivia Carpenter, hey, no relation, but i got to point her <laughs> out. You know, she, she's filling the shoes of a girl who's an all-state player, Stephanie Zara. And this Olivia girl stepped right in, and she's a senior, and uh, the Blue Knights haven't missed a beat. So before we even talk football, but those are the three teams I really want to point out in particular. Yeah. Um, Cheshire Field Hockey, Cheshire Volleyball, Billington Volleyball, really um, unforgettable season so far. Yeah, no question about it. I'm curious, when you're kind of looking at those teams, um, you know, what, uh, you know, and, and as you sort of said, you know, these are traditionally strong teams. This is not, uh, you know, some upstarts that, uh, you know, that are kind of coming out of nowhere, but maybe the the level of success uh, that they've achieved, at least through the regular season this year, is is a little bit unprecedented. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, have you had a season like this before, at least that you remember in terms of your coverage, when, when so many of these teams, you know, are sort of having uh, at least historic regular seasons, um, you know, at this level? Not not to this extreme. You know, like I said, Cheshire and Billington Volleyball, you know, they, they were in this ballpark last year as well, but really if it's possible to ratchet it up a degree, they, they really, really have. Mm-hmm. And then again, you throw Cheshire Field Hockey out there, one goal allowed. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's literally virtual perfection in a very imperfect world, yeah. I would say. Um, does it, uh, you know, I'm just kind of curious, does it change away, you know, change anything about how you're sort of covering the season? You know, when you sort of see these teams that at least have the kind of potential, I mean, I know you guys are, uh, these certainly aren't the only schools and, and the only teams that you guys cover throughout the year, but I'm curious if, uh, you know, this kind of stuff, uh, you know, maybe changes your, your perspective a little bit on, you know, you got to do some, some kind of deeper stories on the team, or is it still just trying to, to make sure you give, uh, you know, as much coverage as you can to as, as many schools as you can? Yeah, it's, it's a little bit of, of both. Um, you know, because we cover a very uh, specific geographic range, our, our philosophy during the regular season is touch all the bases in all the sports, mm-hmm. you know. Um, we like to spread the wealth around. And then we know as the season goes on, you know, the real the contenders are going to emerge and they're going to get their coverage. Um, you know, and also, you know, having done this now for 20 years, one thing, you know, you, you're dealing with a part of the population is young kids. And yeah. I know... The veteran coaches will tell you, you know, it's a fine line you want to walk. Sure. You know, you want your kids to be confident. You want you don't want them to be cocky. And I know athletes of all stripes and, and uh, you know, kids to professionals, they're, they're su- subject to this as much as anyone. Um, I, I find with the good teams, you, you want to always resist the urge to start, you know, running them up the flagpole too soon. Yeah. Um, so I've had coaches kind of, shy away from wanting a, an in-depth piece of story on their team for that reason. It's mm-hmm. like, well, you know, we're seven, eight games into the season. we got a long way to go. And, and you want to, the good coaches at least, want the kids to maintain that, that proper mindset. You know, don't be satisfied. Don't be resting on laurels. It's, you know, September 27th, not November 17th. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, so and what we find is, like I said, as the season goes on with our coverage, uh, because there's, you know, only seven schools, we're going to cover every team at every school, and all of them, you know, get their moment in the limelight, knowing as the season goes on, the better, better teams are going to take center stage. And that's kind of where we are now. You know, yeah. the conference tournaments will be starting up. And, um, you know, Fisher Field Hockey is a good example. You know, we've been covering them throughout the year, 
today we ran a, a feature story on them because, okay, hey, they just signed off on, on this historic season, and now we move into the postseason. Yep. Um, so that's the line I, I try to walk, uh, Joel. It's like, you know, shine the light wide, and as the season goes on, it's just the focus just naturally narrows. Yeah, no, no question about it. And uh, along those lines, any other, uh, you know, before we get to, uh, as you mentioned, there's certainly some uh, some football teams in your area making news as well. But uh, any other sort of just interesting stories? Maybe not uh, the kind of dominant uh, teams that we uh, we've been talking about, but uh, interesting stories that kind of caught your eye this fall. Uh, whether uh, you know whether football or anywhere else uh, that that was worthy of uh, of coverage and discussion for you so far this year. Yeah, uh, well, you know, there's always uh, Cheshire Swimming. You know, they have a new coach. Uh, Dan Muscola went down to South Carolina. They have another Dan, this guy Dan Mazaluski. Um and, and, of course, it's Cheshire Swimming, you mm-hmm. know, and another undefeated season for them. Um, they'll be looking to defend their SEC championship next week. Um, you know, they've got girls like Sophie Murphy who are, are state contenders. Yep. Um, I don't want to say business as usual, but, but it is in Cheshire. It's just a very efficient and <laughs> very successful business. That is, yes, business as usual. So we know we'll be doing a lot with Cheshire Swimming as, as we move forward into the next couple weeks. Um, we're looking forward to the cross-country meets on, on Friday. As I mentioned to you, we're glad you guys moved it up a day for the class meets so the kids have a good running day. Because mm-hmm. um, Wickham is hard enough when it's dry and sunny, <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> and muddy and wet. Um, and we got a number of kids who are, who are good runners. In fact, we're this year we're expanding our all-record journal teams to include some of the other sports, such as cross-country. Now, just going through my list of kids uh, on the short list, and we've got some good ones. You know, Brendan Mellett down to Cheshire. He's only a junior, a good runner. Um, Lizzie Brown at, at Sheehan, a uh, tough kid. You know, she's been battling some injuries, but she's running, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and she's a contender. And then I think one of my favorite stories is this girl from Southington, this girl Jackie Izzo. She's only a freshman. Um, she was actually one of our athletes of the week this week. If folks go online to myrecordjournal.com, they'll see the athlete of the week video. And there's an interview with, with Jackie because she won. She was our top vote getter. And the girl's only a freshman, and she's this little thing. I mean, my gosh, she is. And you know, you have a vision of the typical cross country runner with the long strides, and you know, she's not that. But mm-hmm. boy, the girl can motor. Um, she set Southington girls 5K record. Uh, earlier uh, this year, 19 minutes, 28 seconds. Uh, she was sixth in the CCC meet, you know, the entire conference. Again, she's only a freshman. Yeah. And it uh, be interesting to see what she can do in the uh, the double L meet on Friday. She's kind of an interesting story for a, a freshman to come on and, and do as well as, as she's done, which, of course, is what Lizzie Brown did, that, did uh, uh, down at Sheehan last year as mm-hmm. well. So, um, you know, it's kind of had a neat uh, cross-country season. And, uh uh, I'll be interested to see what happens on, on Friday because that'll help solidify our first all-record journal cross-country team. Yeah, no question about it. As you said, lots of good things to uh, to keep tabs on. Now, I want to check in uh, briefly here. We obviously don't have the um, the full regular season to kind of, uh, you know, get a handle on when it comes to uh, football as we're sort of maybe, you know, two-thirds of the way, depending on how you want to break it down, or maybe three-quarters of the way uh, through the regular season here. But obviously, uh, once again, some very strong teams there as well in your coverage area. What's kind of been standing out uh, from your football coverage so far this fall? I know one of those teams, Southington, has a big game uh, this weekend. Um, but what, uh, what, what sort of has been the story uh, from football in your area so far this year? Well, I'll tell you what. We, we do have a number of good teams, good, very good teams, you know, um, Southington 6-0, of course, they play at East Hartford on Friday. That's a huge game. It's a top-ten game. And, 
you know, a quick little glance at the double L points will show you how big it is in that regard. Mm-hmm. Uh, Southington three and, and East Hartford is five. They had a hell of a game last year, pardon me, Joel. <laughs> I run afoul of your vocabulary. No, that's all right. We'll allow that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'll take that under advisement. <laughs> uh, you know, East, East Hartford and Southington is a big game. Um, but also, you know, here in Meriden, Maloney and Platt are both five and one, and they look like they're on a collision course for Thanksgiving, which which often is the case. Um, Sheehan, you know, four and one. They also look like they'll be going back to the M playoffs. They've got a a remarkable offense, just high powered offense there. You know, and even Lyman Hall. Here's a team that was struggling for a number of years there. Uh, Bill Wyrock doing a good job down there. You know, they're four and two. They've got a good chance to be seven and two going into Thanksgiving. Um, so Thanksgiving down at Wallingford in the Carini Bowl uh, looks like it'll be a lot of fun. And, um, you know, with our team, you know, they're in playoff contention. I'm pretty confident we'll have, you know, Southington should be in the mix. Sheehan, you know, Platt Maloney, who knows, who gets to Thanksgiving, and it mm-hmm. might be one pushing the other out. But, you know, we have a good chance that seven of our teams, three of them are going to the postseason, and that's a pretty good uh, ratio. Now, that said, you know, we, you know, of course, follow what goes on statewide. Uh, you know, Ned Griffin, Sean Bowley, Peter Paguagua, who I had the pleasure to work with for quite a while, mm-hmm. Kyle Brennan, these guys, they all do really good work on a statewide basis. You know, our focus has to be narrower. But we know where our teams fit in in the big picture, at least at this point. You know, you've got those top-tier teams. You know, most of them are, are down in Fairfield County. And, you know, where Southington, the Meriden schools, or Sheehan stack up against the likes of, you know, Darien, St. Joe's, North Haven Hands. Yeah, who knows? Mm-hmm. We'll see in the postseason. Um, I like the fact, though, that we got teams who should be in the mix, you know, once we get on the other side of Thanksgiving. So, um, you know, Southington East Hartford Friday's game will, will shape the class L, double L field quite a bit. Yeah. Um, I think no matter what happens in that game, you know, both of those teams have a very good chance of going. Um, you know, last year's game between Southington and East Hartford, East Hartford had a dramatic rally, two touchdowns in the closing minutes to overtake Southington, a, a team that had defeated uh, East Hartford for like 20 years in a row, yeah. or at least 20 meetings in a row. And Southington hadn't lost on its home field since the 2012 playoffs. They had won 41 regular season games. So that was a, a big, big win that East Hartford uh, pulled off. And the kid who engineered it, LaFawn Thompson, um, who your listeners I know certainly have heard his name, mm-hmm. you know, he's still there for East yeah. Hartford. It's going to be a very demanding matchup for Southington on Friday. We'll see what happens. I, um, If you ask me to pick a winner there, I'm, I'm probably going to chicken out and not pick a winner. <laughs> Other than to say, Southington, you know, has its work cut out for it, but I'll tell you, Coach Mike Drury and his staff, um, they're on their game. Those guys know what they're doing. And, um, you know, with the two-platoon system they run, I'm a big fan of that. I, I watch what they do. I see how their kids, they have, you know, the separate offense, the separate defense, the kids come off the field. And, and literally within a minute, they're sitting down and they're looking at the previous series on a flat screen TV yeah. and, and making adjustments on the fly. You know, it's not just sitting down and going over a dry erase board. They're actually looking at what they did and the coach is saying, okay, you defensive end, you got caught too far up the field here. And they can adjust that quickly. So you've got that type of um, uh, adjusting during a game that gives Southington a big advantage. And then also, of course, if you're running the two separate units that you you tend to stay fresher as the game goes on. Sure, uh, we saw that with the Southington to Britain game. You know, I for three quarters, New Britain had the upper hand, and then boom, Southington rallies in the fourth quarter, 
27-24 victory. They're the team that's still undefeated. Yeah. Um, well, we'll see if that makes a difference, you know, on, on Friday against East Hartford. That yeah. could be the X factor. So I guess if you ask me to pick pick a winner, well, I guess I'll be a homer and say Southern pulls that game out in the fourth quarter and turns tables on what happened last year against East Hartford. All right. But, uh, you know, that's just some sports writer who thinks he knows what he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's better than a, uh, a media director who thinks he knows what he's talking about. So. <laughs> Uh, all right, Bryant, uh, that's good stuff. Uh, as you said, lots uh, lots to focus on. Some teams uh, should give you some nice uh, coverage the rest of the way here in football and leading into some uh, some fun Thanksgiving games. And, and as uh, we talked about, some teams, uh, to plenty of teams to watch from your part of the state uh, in the upcoming uh, CIC State Tournament. So we really appreciate it. Always good to get on the phone with you and uh, keep up the wonderful work there uh, covering high school sports. We greatly appreciate it. Okay, Joel, very good. Good talking with you, bro. Thanks to Bryant Carpenter of the Meriden Record Journal. Be sure to check out all the good work that they are doing uh, covering high school sports. As he said, they've got a very specific coverage area that they stick with, but they do a wonderful job uh, really uh, keeping tabs on everything that's happening with those schools, those programs, and uh, it's, it's great to see. They give a lot of coverage to high school sports, uh, which is certainly something that we appreciate. So thanks to Bryant. Thanks to Dan Scavone from the CCC for chatting with us. Thanks to Mary Albel from DieStat.com. Check out all their work. Uh, through the cross-country championships uh, tomorrow, Friday. And uh, thank you all for joining us. This has been another edition of the CIC cast. We, uh, once again, uh, you can check us out on iTunes. If you listen on iTunes, subscribe, rate, leave us a review. You can find us on the Google Play. You can find us on Stitcher uh, and on CICsports.com, CICmobile.com on your mobile device, all the different places you can check out the CIC cast podcast. A lot of good conversation on high school sports in the state of Connecticut. So we thank you for being with us. Bookmark that tournament central. That's going to be the place to um, to keep tabs on what's happening in the coming weeks. Follow us on Twitter, at CIAC Sports. Uh, follow us on Instagram. I'm going to try to uh, maybe provide some pictures, some color from the, uh, from the cross-country championships tomorrow. So follow us on Instagram for, uh, for that tomorrow. That's also at CIAC Sports. Facebook.com slash CIAC Sports. And, uh, yeah, hope uh, hope everybody's enjoyed it. We're looking forward to it. We're getting to championship season. This is a lot of fun, busy time of year, but it's going to be a lot of fun. Hopefully the weather uh, cooperates and doesn't uh, doesn't force too many other schedule changes, but we're, uh, we're very excited. Uh, team's doing well. Team's building to uh, a great conclusion. League tournament play kind of going to be getting underway here in the next few days and then heading into the CIAC tournament. So a lot of fun. Hope you'll follow along with us. Hope you'll follow us on CIACsports.com, tournamentcentral.ciacsports, on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, all these places. We will be providing lots of coverage of the CIAC and state tournaments going forward. So once again, I am Joel Cookson. We appreciate you joining us today. Hope you'll be back with us when we return for another edition of the CIAC Cast.